If you're new here at Church on the Rock, my name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors. This is my good buddy Skip, also one of the pastors. Welcome. We're going to be diving into a new series on the book of Psalms, which I'm really looking forward to, uh, spending some time in the book of worship uh, from our Old Testament. If you are new here and you'd like to get in touch with us and have us connect with you, you can head over to the info table after the service. They'll have a little card for you to fill out. If you do fill out that card, we have a gift from India, from a ministry that we support and love. Uh, to put into your hands. Uh, But more importantly, if this is your very first time here, uh, the God of the universe, your creator, your father in heaven, uh, it's his desire uh, to meet you here in this place, in the gymnasium of the Homer High School. And it's our confident prayer and expectation every week that that'll happen as you open your heart to receive from him. So we're going to do that now as we come into the word. Let me pray for you. Thanks. God, I do thank you for Skip and uh, the gift of teaching that you have given him for our benefit. Uh, that we might receive from your word, uh, that we might grow in understanding, uh, that our hearts may be changed as we encounter your truth. We commit this time to you with the commitment uh, that we are ready with open hearts Mm -hmm. and open ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, yeah. Well, today we're going to have a, a, I think, a fairly simple message for you from the Lord. Um, And and, uh, in a moment, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to read the entire first psalm, and when we do, I'll ask you to stand with me as I read it. Um, And this is a tradition that goes all the way back to the time of Ezra. Uh, If you're familiar with the story of Ezra, he had the entire nation that was there in front of him stand in respect of the Word of God as he read it to them. Uh, The the, kind of the the way that we generally do teachings here at Church on the Rock, kind of a narrative form doesn't always lend itself to that kind of of, uh, opportunity, Uh, but today uh, it's appropriate. And also, I just want to... Uh, you'll, you'll find by the time this message is over that one of, the, one of the takeaways is that there is great blessing in respecting and delighting in God's Word. And so uh, that will be uh, something we can do to help us remember that. Uh, I would say right off the beginning, right off the, out of the chute here, that no one walks their path alone. That no one of us lives entirely in isolation, even the one who seeks to live their life in isolation, who actively removes themselves from all other influences. Uh, Even that person cannot walk alone. We all respond in one way or another to life-shaping influences. Isn't that true? It is true, yeah. And so this morning with this message, what I'd like you to be watching for is we're going to discover how our relationships are actually an act of worship. Um, you're, going to, you're going to learn how to notice that you are in a dead-end path in your relationship, that that relationship is going nowhere except to uh, chaff in the wind, all right? You're going you're gonna to learn how to notice that. And also, we will discover the lush potential 
of following God in his way. Does that sound like a plan? Is that uh, worth your money this morning? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> well, let's, uh, Scott, if you would bring up Psalm 1, and I'm going to turn to it in my Bible. And if you would, please stand. You don't have to read along, I'll, I'll read, and you just listen respectfully. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish." You may have a seat. That last verse for the, the, the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. That, that verse is really a, a, a kind of a synopsis of the whole, the whole big idea of Psalm 1. There is a way that belongs to the righteous and there is a way that belongs to the wicked. A way is, is uh, I want to talk about that for a little bit and, and kind of uh, explore what a way is. In this context, when he's talking about a way, he's talking about a particular path or uh, a journey. And really, it's not just a, a movement from point A to point B. It is this, the rhythms of our life, the way that we do things. If you've ever thought to yourself, oh, that's so Skip Bauer socks, then you have picked up on Skip's way, right? If you've ever said to yourself, oh, that's so Church on the Rock, then you've tuned into the, the unique way that this body functions, right? It has to do with the uh, wearing of a path, one step in front of another over and over and over again, over an extended period of time, the rhythm of our life. He says, there is a way that belongs to the righteous. There is a way that belongs to the wicked. And the Lord is very interested in the way. You know, when I worked for Youth for Christ years ago, we used to write newsletters about big events, right? Uh, Rebecca St. James, I don't even know if she's still doing, is she still like out there? Maybe, but you, you're, you're a fan though. Yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, we had Rebecca St. James come to the St. Joe County Fairgrounds and uh, she did a great show, and then uh, we had a number, I think like a hundred kids fill out a card that said that they accepted the Lord. And so that was what went in the newsletter, right? The big event. And although the Lord uh, cares about the big event, I think he's much more interested in the way, right? The rhythms and patterns of our lives, the way we live our life day in day out, one step in front of another. I think it's interesting, uh, even ironic, that when the Lord introduced himself to Abraham, the, uh, really the father of our faith and the father of 
millions of others. Uh, when he introduced himself to Abraham, he said, I want you to get to know me. The best way for me to do that is for, to, for me to send you on a long walk. I want you to develop a way that is influenced by my promises. Way matters to God. Our way is the stuff of integrity. It is the stuff of character. It is the stuff of faithfulness. You know, any one of us might say, I am a generous person, but, a, but the way, our way, comes with evidence. You say you're a generous person, then there should be some, as I look at the way, the rhythm, the path of your life, I ought to see some evidence in there. You don't get, just, you don't get to just say, I'm generous without the evidence of that showing up somewhere along the way. Someone might say, my family is my number one priority. Oh, really? Well, that's an issue of way. And so we ought to be able to look at your way and see some evidence, something that proves that, yeah, in fact, that is your way. It's measurable. Someone might say, I'm a hard worker. Oh, really? That's an issue of way. We ought to see evidence. You understand? And so way matters to the Lord. And the Lord has as his synopsis of this psalm, this verse. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. In other words, God is familiar. He's at home in the way of the righteous. The rhythms, the patterns, the well-worn path of the righteous. The Lord says, I easily just find myself there. I'm very familiar with it. I know the way. I know exactly who I am in the way of the righteous. I'm comfortable there. But the way of the wicked he says in this little synopsis verse, he says, uh, the way of the wicked, it, it leaves no question as to the worthlessness of the way of the wicked. You can't read that verse and wonder, is God, so, so I'm confused, is he impressed with the way of the wicked or not? There's no confusion. The Lord says the patterns, the rhythms, the well-worn path of the wicked is trash. It's like whew, gone. It's like chaff being blown away in the wind. So there's no confusion about that. You know, I want to talk today about the way of the wicked God's ways are admittedly upside down, aren't they? Um, has not the Lord said, my ways are higher than yours? My ways are, are, uh, uh, are not your ways. Has he not told us that, uh, that um, his ways are not of this world, right? And at the same time, the ways of the wicked are by definition deceptive, right? Uh, they have the appearance of godliness. 
the ways of the wicked, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the king, the, the chief demonic angel, he, he disguises himself as an angel of light. And so what I'm saying is that it, it would make sense for us as people who are trying to pursue the way of God that we might not fully understand the way of God because his ways are foreign to us as humans. And what's also true is that the ways of the wicked sometimes come in and they are deceptive and they are, they are masquerading as uh, ways of light and they seem to make sense. And so we find ourselves sometimes conflicted, right? Is this the way of righteousness or is this the way of wicked? It's, it's, it's difficult for us to know sometimes um, which we are being influenced by. Are you in the way of the wicked? Think about that right now. The situation that you're in, whatever situation that might be, if you are seeking counsel, if you are seeking influence to help you navigate your current situation, ask yourself this, am I now in the way of the wicked? Are you allowing yourself to be influenced by godly, ungodly voices in excess? And I say in excess because the truth is we are bombarded by voices. And for sure, uh, we hear uh, voices that do not reflect God's character. But my thought here is, uh, are you in a way, a pattern, a rhythm, a well-worn path of tuning into the wicked influences in your life? Or are you in the pattern, the way of turning towards the way of God? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't believe I'm in trouble with my wife. I'm just not sure, but I did something wrong yesterday, totally unintentionally. It was a mistake. Our habit, our pattern on Saturday, my wife distributes our money and does the banking and then goes shopping. She went shopping at uh, Save You More. And, um, so everything came home in these cardboard boxes, used, trashy cardboard boxes, right? And so all the groceries came home in that, and she hauled a bunch of them into the house, and uh, usually they go from the van to the entry, and then I take them from the entry uh, upstairs to the kitchen. And so I, that, that's exactly like every other Saturday I've ever lived with her. That's how it went down. And so a bunch of groceries came upstairs and she went and did something else and I actually went ahead and put uh, a number of the groceries away. Another part of our pattern on Saturday mornings is that I load up the truck with all of our garbage and go to the dump. And uh, she texted me several hours later I'm looking for the frosted mini-wheats. Did they make it in the house? And I realized, <laughs> I threw all of that away. <laughs> I mean, I picked up those boxes 
full of our groceries and took them to the dump already. <laughs> About $50 worth of groceries. And my wife is not, I wouldn't say she's stingy, I wouldn't say she loves money, but I would say it's very important to her. <laughs> and so I threw away a bunch of our groceries. I felt so bad about it. I actually, you know, honestly, I kind of felt like it was a real challenge for me not to blame her. <laughs> but that's what I always tell guys that come into my office. I say, if you get in a fight with your wife, resist the urge to defend yourself. And now I know how difficult that is. Um, why were all the groceries in trashy boxes next to the garbage? But anyway, I threw away the garbage, or the, the, uh, the groceries. Um, and I'll tell you how gracious my wife is, actually, though. I noticed uh, uh, this morning, I mentioned that we give away, that's when we distribute the money, and I found that in spite of my throwing away $50 worth of groceries, she still left me my, my cheeseburger allowance for the week. <laughs> so I thought, she is really, I know, right? Give her a hand. The point is, uh, the reason I'm telling you this story is because sometimes, isn't it true, it is difficult to identify the garbage uh, from what is actually really healthy, what is actually really good, sustaining, uh, what is precious. It's difficult to identify what's worth keeping and what's worth throwing away. And so this morning, as we look at the way of the wicked, I, will, I would like to explain to you the concept that the Lord is bringing out in this passage. And also, I want to offer you a question for your own evaluation. All right. And so let's begin. Uh, in Psalm 1, he says uh, that uh, uh, not to walk in the counsel of the wicked. Right? To, to not... Uh, be seeking direction, counsel from the wicked. Uh, I bought a, I've had a Toyota for a number of years. Now I have a, a little newer Toyota. And what I love about Toyota trucks, a number of things, but one of the things I love about Toyota trucks is the very, uh, the very gentle, very quiet way it reminds me to turn on or put on my seatbelt. Uh, I've been in vehicles, I've owned vehicles, where when you jump in and turn the key, if your seatbelt is not on, it gets very obnoxious. And it stays obnoxious until you have put the seatbelt on. But the Toyota's not that way. There's a little red guy right there with a seatbelt, and he's just flashing. And that's it. There's no ding. Just a little, very easy to ignore. You know, and uh, I just like, you know, he's, it's, like, it's like the Toyota, the little red man is saying, hey, I can tell you're busy, you're driving, and you're eating, and you're texting. That's a lot to do at the same time, right? Very busy. But listen, you know, uh, when you have time and when it's convenient, you might just want to click, right? Just go ahead and do that when it's, when it's convenient for you. And that's how I like to be handled, you know? I like to be treated that way. That, that just a gentle reminder, ooh, you could do that. You could do that a little differently. Why don't you try that? That's how I like to be handled. But that is honestly uh, consistent with the counsel of the wicked. The strategies 
for achieving everything you want, right? That the wicked would, would offer you these strategies of being manipulative, of being self-centered, right? Uh, strategies for getting ahead, for having it your way. Well, this happens even in the church. Uh, you'll notice it because the man, uh, there's a sense of self-pride as he demands that things go his way. We call this man a, a jerk for Jesus, right? He feels some kind of entitlement because he's doing it in honor of the Lord when in reality this this manipulation, this harsh attitude is actually a self-righteous attitude. And it certainly happens in the world as well. It's been interesting to me in my lifetime as an adult even. I've noticed that those who, this isn't true every time of course, but it's, it's the frequency of, see, of it is really increasing. That those who have a heart for and a, a, a drive for seeing justice accomplished in one area or another, that those who, who pursue justice causes, they do it through encouraging rebellion in general. Have you noticed that? Resist. That that is the strategy. Resistance, rebellion is the strategy for bringing about some kind of justice. Uh, justifying hatred for opposition as a strategy for achieving justice. And that is the way of the wicked. Walking in the counsel, the direction of the wicked. And so let me ask you this. Here's your evaluation question. Are you influenced towards strategic obedience? You think about the many voices you're listening to. Are they influencing you towards strategic obedience? How can I become, increase my level of obedience to the Lord in this area? How can I do that? Are your voices helping you strategize for that obedience? Or are they giving you direction in manipulation, in staying self-centered, in wickedness? Second, the psalmist says, not only do they walk in the counsel of the wicked, but they also stand in the way of sinners. Uh, I've so appreciated, um, I, I meet with a couple elders. Uh, it's part of, the, part of our, my pastoral obligation to meet with the elders, but it's also uh, a, a part of my great joy and, and uh, my uh, direction in my life. I actually, myself, uh, meet with Ralph Crane and uh, Dwayne Nussfeld. So if you have a problem with me, they're the reason. <laughs> um, uh, but I've so appreciated uh, Dwayne in particular recently has been reinvigorating an old prayer for me, an ancient prayer. It's a prayer that Jesus taught us. Uh, it's a piece of the prayer um, new energy in praying, Lord, lead me, right? That's, a, that's a, a way prayer, a path prayer. Lord, lead me not into temptation. 
And I've, I've just found uh, so much renewed strength in praying that prayer. But the wicked say, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to be led away from my sin. I want to stand in my sin. And so the wicked person justifies their sin. In fact, they, they develop excuses to validate their resistance to growth. They, fall, they find fault with other people and let that be the explanation for why they wrestle with these things. It's because of my parents. It's because of the enemy. It's because these people hurt me. And these excuses allow me to stand in my sin. I'm allowed to continue to behave this way because of these reasons. I will stand in this sin. And the Lord says, that is a way, that is a pattern, and it is the way of the wicked, excusing your own sin so that you might stand in it. And so let me ask you this question as you think about your sin. And I would say specifically those sins that others have brought to your attention, those sins that over years and years you have become aware of but kind of winked at in your own life. I would ask you this about the influences in your life. Are you influenced towards patterns of repentance? Is there anyone in your world who is saying to you, listen, you need to develop a well-worn path, uh, a cul-de-sac in this case, of repentance, where you are going that way and then you recognize the grace of God in my life compels me to turn around and go this way. Are you developing, are you being influenced to develop those patterns of repentance? The truth is, um, not, that we, not that we never have victory over sin, we certainly do. Uh, but, but the gospel has given us this tremendous opportunity not to get it right, but to return to the Lord, to repent. That is the great opportunity that is ours. Are the influences in your life saying, hey man, you need to repent? Or are they saying, yeah, that's because of so-and-so. Just go ahead and stand in your sin. And thirdly, the wicked sit in the seat of scoffers. Are the influences in your life, do you hear these influences saying things like, yeah, right, uh, that'll never happen. Don't be an idiot. Are these the influences of your life where they sit in the seat of scoffers? A, a, a resting in mockery perfectly content to criticize uh, the issue with no intent of dressing it head on, even if there is reasonable hope for change? Are the influences in your life saying, forget it, you'll never, you're never going to get it right, you'll never see growth in that area, so just, just... Those people are idiots. They're extremists. They're fools for, for challenging you towards growth. Uh, it, it's fine, and don't worry about it. And, and uh, your parents were idiots. And your wife, she's too hard on you anyway, right? That kind of thing. A mockery of this 
possibility for you to have real significant growth and change in your life. They sit in the seat of scoffers. Let me ask you this. When you think about your influences, those voices that you pay the most attention to, are you influenced towards humble appreciation or are you sitting in the seat of scoffers? Uh, I'll be honest with you, in the last two or three days, and, and, and maybe it's a result of uh, the directness of this message, I don't know, but I have been worn out. Uh, I know we all got an extra hour of sleep last night. Even so, I am weary this morning from uh, this overwhelming sense to be offended. I am, this, so, so everyone's saying, okay, let's not hang out with Skip today. <laughs> I have found myself over the last couple of days just so easily offended, right? It's becoming, it feels like if I don't grab a hold of that, it will become a way for me. So easily offended, and the Lord is, is, I've been, this message has been so good for me, you know? Stupid stuff. Do you know what I'm talking about? Has anyone else ever been there? Yeah, okay. And it happens, sometimes, it, I wouldn't say that that's necessarily a, a pattern, but for the last couple days, man, I'm so ready to be done with this sermon and move on and let Aaron preach for a while, you know? I just, I just, I want to be off the enemy's radar, right? Uh, but what the Lord, even this morning as I was praying, as I'm supposed to be preparing for this message, but instead these waves of offense that are jokes, <laughs> but they're still there. And the Lord says, he's so gentle. He says, you could, you could, you know, in every one of those cases where you are offended, you could give thanks to me for that person. Because in every one of those cases, yes, there is offense, but also there's an abundance of grace that they've extended to you. You could turn your attention towards humble appreciation, Skip. And it's amazing. It's amazing the, uh, the, uh, you know, the weight that is lifted when we choose to make our way a humble appreciation, right? But that's causes, that's a, that comes from repentance. cannot sit in the sea of scoffers. I cannot rest there and say, this is good enough. I will just be cynical. I will just make a joke of it. I will just resign myself to resting in being a scoffer. The gospel compels me 
something greater, a way that is not worthless. Blessed is the man. Instead, this psalm says uh, that there's a blessing. Blessed is, a, blessed is the man. There is a blessing. Instead of the way of the wicked, there is a blessing with, the, with delighting in God's thoughts. Right? A blessing, a gift, a favor in delighting in God's thoughts. Have you ever noticed that the fear of man and wondering and pursuing and ruminating on the thoughts of man? Have you ever noticed that that leaves us grasping and anxious? Have you noticed that? Yeah, leaves us desperate. We, we, we desperately need to know what do you think of me now? And what do you think of me now? There's no rest in it. Yet God's thoughts leave us with a clarity a direction, a purpose. And for sure, uh, delighting in God's thoughts requires sometimes for us an acquired taste, right? Yeah, but I would say even so, it is worthy effort. And I would say this too. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know how it all works. I'll be honest with you. But I would say that this generation, you and me, are... Uh, 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 unique from every other generation that has ever walked this planet in this way, that we have zero excuses for some kind of strategy for taking in the Word of God. It's on our phones, it's on the radio, it's on TV, it's on paper, it's all over the place. Do you have a strategy for delighting in the thoughts of God? I hope so. Because there's a blessing with it. There's also a blessing with being planted, which sounds maybe rigid to us. We want to explore. We want to go and conquer. We want the freedom to move about. But the Lord says, there's a blessing in being planted by streams of water, rooted, anchored, established, with roots going into something that's nourishing. The Lord says the metaphor, the best metaphor I can think of is like a tree that puts its roots in next to the creek and always has that, that water sustaining it, right? He's like, a, he's like a man who built his house on the rock and not on the sand. He is established. He is rooted. And he does not wither. He always has this, this slow, steady draw of my spirit available to him. He roots himself in me. There's a blessing with being planted. And with the blessing comes a yield, a harvest, a crop, a blessing. This passage says that whatever this man does prospers. You know, when you read the literature, uh, the, the, excuse me, 
the, um, the, poet, the, the biblical poetic literature, uh, there are promises in it, but you have to be very careful about interpreting poetic literature and, rob, and, and taking from it actual promises from God. Um, if those promises are substantiated in other portions of Scripture, uh, uh, more direct teaching portions of Scripture, then you can stand on that. Uh, this is one that I, I don't know exactly what to do with because the fact is there have been many people on the earth who have delighted in the Lord who have planted themselves in him, and they have failed in, in glorious ways in the task that they have done, right? And yet I would say this, when the Lord says whatever he does prospers, I, I personally don't believe that it's a promise of success in all things, but that it's a promise that in all things there is a fruitfulness that in the situation you find yourself in right now, there is, the, there is a seed of benefit, of fruit. There is an opportunity for you in that situation to bear much fruit, to have a yield, if you will tune in to the way of the Lord. Even the one who goes out weeping, but carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. I'd like to invite the worship team up. The Lord says, this is the way. Walk in it. Delight yourself in my thoughts. Plant yourself in my thoughts and in my ways, and you will uh, bear fruit. Genesis 2, I'm going to be talking about Genesis 1, starting this Tuesday. But Genesis 2, also uh, 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 just a, I don't know, what, what can I say? It's just a great chapter, right? Uh, the blessing of the Lord. But Genesis 2 describes what it means to be human. He says uh, in Genesis 2, he said, I took mankind, Adam, and I put him in the garden. I took him out of the chaos of, wil- of the wilderness, plants and trees and everything growing every which way, and I put him into a well-ordered, restful garden. Uh, And aren't we all working to transform our own chaos into order? Aren't we all striving to make that uh, a fruitful, orderly garden? The Lord says... uh, Part of the human experience, Adam, is that you are somebody who is in need. I've made you in my image, and I am a triune God. I am a God who is relationships, right? Relationships is the divine's DNA, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I've made you in my image, and so you are in need of relationship. It is not good that you are alone. So the Lord began to bring animals in front of Adam, and he would say, name these animals, and evaluate them, and he would. He checked them off and said, yeah, that's a dog, that's a hippopotamus, that's a cow, right? And each time the animal was insufficient to come alongside Adam as he navigated moving this wilderness to a place of rest until he brought another person. In this case, it was his wife, Eve. As humans, we 
need influence. And there is a contest for your soul. There is the way of the wicked that would love to influence you to your own destruction. And there is the way of the righteous that would also love, in fact, would go to the cross and endure your shame. Let his body be broken so that you might be influenced towards peace and fruitfulness. I mean, animals are great. You can put sweaters on them if you want. But you were never designed, animals were never designed to bring about that kind of influence. Nothing beats human influence that is led by the Spirit of God. And so be intentional about the influences you receive. The wicked way has a forward motion to it. Walk, stand, sit, and if you notice, that forward motion is really rolling to a stop. But the way of the righteous has a forward motion to it as well. Only that forward motion is really a following. So Jesus says, follow me. Follow my example. Get in my way. Let my way influence and shape your well-worn path. Would you stand? As you know, at Church on the Rock, we have uh, four ways that we encourage you. We provide you the opportunity to respond. Um, there is an opportunity to support the ministry of Church on the Rock. There's offering receptacles around the room. It's an opportunity to pray with people uh, off to the side here. There'll be a group of people that would be glad to pray with you about anything that you're wrestling with or thinking through this morning. Around the room, you'll notice that there's a couple tables with uh, communion elements, the, the broken body, the shed blood, to remind you of Jesus' great sacrifice, to have the opportunity to intimately influence your lives. And of course, we're going to sing and worship or reflect on God's character. So let's do that now. You may not realize it, but the influence that you agree with, the influence that you keep, is an act of worship. Uh, it, it, it says what's valuable. Pursuing influence that is in the way of the Lord is also an act of worship of the Lord. Um, it acknowledges God's sovereignty in the relationships that you're in. It acknowledges uh, the opportunity for renewed hope, renewed direction, a new life. When you listen to the influences that direct you, in the ways of God. You are not a doormat. You have the opportunity, every one of us, to decide if you will agree with the decisions and the wisdom and the way of the Lord or not. And so may you this morning begin a new pattern, a, a new path, a new well-worn step-by-step -step way 
of agreeing with the Lord about the influence that he brings into your life. Amen. I want to remind you of a few things. Uh, the prayer ministry team is still available to any, any of us. There's a number of things, opportunities you have to sign up for Tuesday trainings or, or whatever over there at the information table. Of course, tonight is house church, senior high and junior high. And also, if you would, as Aaron, we celebrate our, our setup and teardown teams. It's such a huge benefit to our church. If you're able to stick around and help us by stacking up chairs or whatever, that's always a gift as well. So, well, the Lord bless you, keep you, and we'll see you right here next week.